Good morning. So Jason said I was going to talk tomorrow, or about what happened yesterday. Yesterday we had the UBC uh, outreach at Carriage. We did their Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, I'm actually going to read this scripture before we get into talking about that, and then I'm going to go into the Word. But uh, what happened yesterday, what happened, what's in this Word, all of it really pertains to what God's been speaking to me. And if you remember last week, Pastor Chad was here, and he spoke that word on uh, assembly is required. And, I mean, that was a powerful word. That was one of those words that everybody in here knows is true, that we need each other, that we have to be together. Uh, But when he spoke it, like you're listening to it, and you're like, I know this, but I'm glad he's speaking it, right? So uh, I'm going to go to Acts 4. Verse 32, this has became my favorite scripture over the last few months, and which is ironic because before the last couple months, actually, I always skipped over this uh, message, this, this scripture, because I didn't like it. It didn't make sense to me, and I didn't think it was relevant for today, and now it has become one of the favorite scriptures I have, and it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. You always hear that at prayer groups, they're like, oh, we're all in one accord, you know, but... It never made sense uh, because we weren't, (laughs) right? We always said it, but we weren't. We we were hoping it, you know. We we like to think we're better off than we are at times. And uh, so we'll speak a word out of Scripture and be like, oh, yeah, but we're this. And you're like, I don't feel like we're that, right? But it says, all the believers are in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were, uh, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph of a Levite uh, from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that we get to be a part of your body, Lord. And Father God, I pray that you would help us become a church like that, that you would help us to become a body like that, Lord. Father God, we want to be of one accord. We want to bless your name, Lord. We want to gather together and we want to to help one another out, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we we go through this message, Lord, that your words would come out, that you would speak to our hearts. Father God, that you would get me out of your way, Lord, and each one of us would be changed by what you do here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and I'll, I'll start in... Verse 12 here in a minute, but uh, the UBC Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, uh, I could really just preach off of what happened yesterday, but I'm going to use scripture. So, uh, because we were in the middle of prayer Tuesday, and we're, I mean, that was a powerful prayer night. I mean, it was, poor Keith had to miss because he was still down, so I made sure to rub it in yesterday that he wasn't there, but uh but it was just a powerful night, and I'm, I'm on my way home, and uh, this comes to me, more than a flesh wound. 
And some of you guys, first thing that comes to your mind is Monty Pythons, right? It's just a flesh wound, right? It's the first thing that comes to your mind. So keep that in your mind because that's the first thing that came to my mind. I, I don't even know. I think when I was in high school, I probably watched that movie. But everybody's heard that that's over the age of probably 30, right? And it's, it's just the way it is. Uh, but anyway, yesterday, we, we go out to Carriage Mobile Home Park. Anybody's ever been there before last year, you would know that it was a, uh, what's a kind word to put it? It was a rough, that's a good word. It was a rough place. The environment was rough, the neighborhood was rough, the people were rough. There was no community. It was every person for themselves, right? And uh, we began reaching out there. We did a couple small outreaches. We had the Easter service earlier in the year where we had the big foam pit egg hunt thing that was just awesome. And then we've been out there a few other times for cookouts and different things like that and outreaches. We've been able to really connect with these people. And uh, there's a lot that I could share, and I'm going to try not to go through all of it because if I go through all of it, I'll never get into Scripture. But we get out there, we set up the big green tent, our big army tent we had out here. And uh, it was cold. As I'm taking that out of the back of my truck, I'm thinking, who is going to come out in this cold? It is cold. And and then it was even colder than that. Like, it was cold. Especially when you were outside of the tent, that wind went right through you. And uh, it was like people were just miserable outside. Inside the tent, it got warmer because a lot of people. But uh, when we begin to set up, one of the things I noticed about halfway through the day, like there's probably a 40-foot table of food. I'd say it's at least 40 feet of food. Tons of food, and I didn't bring any of it. Shelly sent some. She was nice enough to send some of the amazing food that went really quickly. But uh, And she was sick last week and still took care of us. How about that? And uh, I don't think Jason knew she was sick also. Uh, but, yeah, so... We had all this food there, and we're sitting there, and there's just people. Like, we started out, it didn't seem like very many people from the community was going to be there. We had a handful, and we had like 10, 12 churches of people there helping out. And, you know, I'm looking at Jason, and I'm like, I don't know, man. And Jason's like, I hope more show up. But the thought was, even if there was two or three there, it was going to be awesome. Because it was already a good time. Like, you could feel the Holy Spirit. You knew God was moving where we were at. But the moment Steve Rain starts to pray, and we're about to start feeding, it's like people, I don't know how people's stomachs do it, but they just start showing up. I don't know, at least if you know how many came. I know it's a ton. Over 50 people came in out of the community to be fed. And uh, on a day like yesterday, right? And, uh, but... Some of, the, some of the things like I would like to highlight would be the people, because there's a lot of people, but I'm not going to highlight it too much. Actually, I'm going to uh, highlight how it operates, right? If, uh, if people remember a few years back, when we would have any event, uh, when Pastor Rob was here, him and I would do, like, put something together. We were neither one really good at communicating what we were going to do. We would just show up and we would do it. Remember that? And people would say, like, what am I supposed to do here? 
right? I remember Don Brown once, uh, I couldn't, I think it was a compliment, but I'm not sure, but Don Brown one time after, uh, shortly after Rod passed away, uh, we were at Barnabas and he said, you know, you and Rod were of the same Holy Spirit. When you guys got together, you just went and things happened and you never communicated and it was fun to watch, but it was miserable to be a part of, right? It's like, he's like, for those of us who were not part of that same spirit you two operated with, it was, it was hard. To which I'm thinking like, at first I'm like, that's a blessing. And then I'm thinking like, oh, unless you're the one who's on the outside, right? That's kind of how UBC operates, right? There's Chris and Steve Rame are the main leaders of this, and they operate under the same spirit. Wouldn't you say that? Not a lot of organization because, like me, they like to show up and let the Holy Spirit move, right? Thankfully, earlier in the year, they asked at least to organize stuff. They asked Elise to come up and be the uh, administrative person. She kind of administrates everything. So you have this overly active spirit side and then this somewhat organized administrative person who's trying to figure out what she has to administrate. So we're there. We're operating. And Jason at one point says, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Because Jason's one of those people who needs to plan. Right, Jason likes organization, Jason likes like, and I can see like he really wanted to do something, but Jason's one of those people, if he's not got something to do in a minute, he's going to say like, I don't know where my place is. So when he says that, I said, I'll tell you what I did when I first didn't know what to do. I went to Elise because she seems to be the one knows what to do. So he went to Elise and Elise said, just make sure all the food's uncovered. People have like, watch the food. You give Jason a job, he's going to do it excellent. So he stands back like the sheriff of the food paying attention to it, right? He's like, that's going to get cold, so he goes over and he covers it up. But while he's doing his job, something happened that would not have happened if he would not have went into place, if he was not put into the place he needed to be. There's a lady coming through trying to get food. None of the rest of us are paying attention, Right? A lot of us run around. You can get real busy in times like that, right? We love talking to each other. We're praying over people. We're we're connecting, and there's just a lot of love that goes on. And Jason's watching this lady, and he notices she has some uh, physical, like, restrictions to her. And he walks up to her, and he says, hey, can I help you? And she looks at him, and you know if you've ever had any physical restrictions, you've got a pride thing, and you say, no, I got it. I'm good, right? But Jason could have just walked away and said, okay. But he didn't. He goes, really? Because I don't mind. I'll, really, I'll help. I don't mind at all. And he was persistent. And he said it in love. And the lady said, well, yeah, if you could hold my tray, that'd be great, right? So Jason's holding her tray. She's trying to get food in that tray and in another tray. And Jason says, hey, Eddie, would you hold this tray? So I come over there, and I'm holding a tray. Jason's holding a tray, and we're able to go through and talk to that lady and connect with her. But if Jason wasn't in a position making sure, hey, I need, I know there's something i got to do. If he didn't do that, that lady would have walked out of there probably thinking nobody helped me at all in there. They gave me some food, but he was able to take it to a whole other level, right? Now, Elise is overlooking food, but she can't do it all, right? She was doing a good job trying to keep things organized. I'm running around just talking to people and doing what I do, I'm not going to pay attention to a whole lot. But 
Jason, a guy in the moment, thought, I don't know what to do, was given a place, and then when he was in that place, he was able to help. And that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like, right? It didn't take anything extra of Jason just to make sure there's something I should be doing. And he got there, right? So I, I want to talk about that. And uh, as I said, the, the word that came to me, and mind you, yesterday was beautiful. I'll give you one more testimony before we get into this. Uh, it was actually my favorite testimony of yesterday, and I heard a lot of good ones. Got to pray with some people. Uh, it was awesome. Got to see some people I haven't got to see since the last time we were out there, and it was a blessing. But uh, there was a man I never met. I, ironically, he also went up to Jason before he ever talked to anybody. That was kind of interesting, too. Social anxiety doesn't leave his house, but he needed to come out and see us. His name was Matt. He needed to come out and talk to us because... As I told you, it used to be a rough place. It used to be a place that didn't have community, but it was every person for themselves. That's the way, if you've ever grew up in a rough neighborhood, I did, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, it's all people for themselves, right? You take care of yourself. And uh, he needed to get in there to tell us that, he's like, I'm sitting at home, I didn't want to come over, but I had to come over and tell you guys. I don't even know if he ate. Did he eat? I don't think he ate. He just needed to come talk to us and tell us what was happening. He said, ever since you guys started coming out here, before you came out here, nobody cared about anybody. Now you guys are coming out here and you're making an effort. There's actually true community here, right? When the body of Christ is being the body of Christ, community starts to happen, right? And he had to make sure we knew that. Doesn't leave his house. Can't because he's so socially awkward and he couldn't stop telling everybody in there that same thing. Like he went from Jason, he went to me, he went to the next group, and went to the next group, right on back out the door. But he had to make sure people knew you're making a difference. And uh, I don't know if I ever see him again. Could have been an angel for all I know. But I do know that he wanted to make sure that the body of Christ makes a difference. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the very body of Christ. And yesterday, or Tuesday as I'm heading home, I get the whole uh, more than a flesh wound. And I'm thinking, like, I need to go home. I'm going to Google the, the more than a flesh wound. And you know what happens when you Google more than flesh or a flesh wound or any of that? You get Monty Pythons. And so I'm watching this video, and I'm like, I don't remember it much. And I'm like... Man, I don't know how that movie made it so popular. That is the worst acting ever in a whole movie ever. And I know it was meant to be that way, but yeah, it, it's all their movies were probably that way. But it, it was. I'm watching it, and King Arthur walks up to the Black Knight. I think it's King Arthur. We're gonna go with King Arthur. Okay, it's King Arthur. He walks up to the Black Knight, and he's trying to recruit him. Black Knight's like, nah. But actually, I don't think he said a word. And then he's trying to pass, and the Black Knight won't let him pass. And he's sitting there, and he's trying to, like, they're about to fight. And the Black Knight gets out his sword, and they're starting to fight. And it's the worst fighting scene ever in the history of fighting scenes. And King Arthur cuts his arm off. And the Black Knight says, like, no, I'm good. I'm all right. There's nothing wrong with me. Let's keep fighting. And then they go back to fighting. Like, he didn't even pay attention that his arm's cut off, right? He, 
I mean, there's blood coming out. He didn't scream. Nothing happened. He just keeps fighting with his other arm. And then King Arthur cuts his arm off. And then he's got no arms. And King Arthur's like, you're, sh- you're surely defeated. And he goes, no, I'm invincible. Right? He has no arms. He's running around on legs. And then, then he starts running into him. King Arthur's like, you're, this ain't going to go well for you. And he's like, cuts off his leg. And then, uh, so then he's hopping on one leg. And he goes, it's just a flesh wound. Right? And King Arthur's like, it's clearly not. Right? It's just a flesh wound. And so, so then he's trying to come at him again, and King Arthur cuts off the other leg, and the guy just lays there as a torso, on his, like just standing kind of up as a torso, and he says, we'll call it a draw. All right? He clearly lost. Right? King Arthur, not affected by this, because what does it bother him that he calls it a draw, just walks right on by, right? He didn't argue with him. And I think that's kind of where we get at the body of Christ sometimes. We, we lose parts and we get wounded and we get hurt and we're like, oh, no, I'm not hurt. It's just a flesh wound. It's not anything deeper than a flesh wound. And then, like, when you're laying there clearly defeated, you're like, we'll call this one a draw. And Satan's like, I don't care what you call it. Right? I won. And, and that's the way we do things sometimes as a body is... Uh, we try to glaze over injuries. We kind of glaze over uh, the importance of parts and body parts. You know, if I, if I had my arm cut off right now, if, Jack, if Ryan came up here and cut my arm off and we're just sitting here talking, you guys would be like, that dude needs some help. And if I'm acting like, oh, no, I'm good, guys. I'm, I'm okay. You guys would say, there's clearly something wrong with that guy. And uh, as people withdraw from the church more and more, there's clearly a problem. If we pretend like there's no problem, the world's going to look at us like, those people are crazy. How do they think there's no problem? Right? It's not a flesh wound. It's an injury. Right? So I, I want to talk about that very thing today. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one, and has many members, all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And uh, I love that part. I love the whole thing. of It, it consists of many parts. Um, because we all play a role. Jason could have easily yesterday said, well, I don't know where my part is and left. Everybody would have been like, oh, okay, man. And they would have probably never thought twice about it because they were busy doing their part. But then his place to help that lady would have been missed because he could have just said, I don't have a place here. But instead he said, there's something I should be doing. What is it? There's a difference. Sometimes we can think our part isn't significant. And then whenever we're not there, something's missing, right? And the body may not even know it. You know, a lot of times, like I read a, a and I'm going to get into some t- scientific things on this later on, but I read a, a story about uh, when you get hurt, usually like say your muscles tear or your joints are starting to have issues, usually most people don't even realize it until it's in full effect, 
right? Your body does. Your body start like maybe you're starting to lose power. Your body's starting to compensate for for the lack of power, say like in your shoulder or anything else. Your body starts trying to uh, step in and fill that gap, and you don't even realize it. And if Jason would have left yesterday, we would have had to try to fill a gap without even realizing that we were missing Jason. Right? We would have knew he was gone, but we wouldn't realize his part was missing. Right? And Jason never thought about leaving. I don't want you to think of it. It's just an analogy. Because I definitely needed him later on a whole lot. But it, uh, but that's just a thought that sometimes we sit around and we don't know that we have a significance. We don't know that we're playing a part. And maybe even when you leave right away, people don't realize the exact damage that it's done to the body. But, you know, they, they used to take... Uh, people's appendix out, and it's like, oh, it's an it's a unnecessary thing. Well, now they realize, I'm like, you know what happens when you take appendix out? There's damage to the rest of the body. There's actually things that happen to the body that got to make up for that part missing. And it took them years to realize it. But you can't just take a piece of the body out without there being damage. It's impossible, right? So we are all needed, we all have a place, and we can't pretend like that's not the case. So whenever people sit at home, like Pastor Chad was talking about last week, and they're not plugged in and they're not doing their part in the body, the rest of the body suffers. We suffer because people aren't plugged in doing it, right? And uh, we have to get better at that. Verse 15 says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body, right? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would it be the sense of smell? And uh, a lot of times people will come to a church and they'll think like, I'm not leading worship, I'm not doing, I'm not preaching, I'm not teaching, where's my part? That should be your question, where is my part, not like I don't have a part. Right? You have a part. And uh, as we're in the middle of worship and I'm praying about this, David Reynolds comes to my mind. And uh, I forgot this until today that I remember when Dave Reynolds was in the hospital, a group of us went up to pray for him. And I remember we walk in praying for him. We're going to just pray healing all over this man. Like This is what we were doing. We get in there, and it's quite the opposite. We get in there, and Dave Reynolds starts praying, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and we have revival right there in his room. Do you remember that? But it wasn't us. He had to do his part. He was praying. He's a prayer warrior, right? But I didn't realize it until I went up in that room and seen, like, man, that was amazing. Like, we're all walking out there, and we're like, we need that. Like, that's what we need in our lives, right? And he's the one in the hospital, but he had a part, right? We've been missed that. I have a lot of joy when I see Dave around. I'll tell you what, and Jason can vouch for me this. My two favorite people to have in a room when I preach are those two. When they're out, I don't know who to look at to get my feedback. That's no lie. They give you feedback. Everybody has a part and you don't even realize it. 
but they're my two favorite people to have in a room when I preach. And uh, no pressure, though. If you've got to be out, no pressure. <laughs> but we have a part. You may not realize it, but you're needed. When you're gone, there is an absence. There is a hurt. There's a makeup that has to be done, right? The thing is, is you don't sit around and think, I don't have a part. You start praying and thinking, what can I do? How can I help? You may come to a guy like me and I'm like, just get involved because I'm not real organized. Right? But you may go to somebody like Jason and you say, Jason, where can I get involved? And Jason will take time and he's more organized and he may think of something or he may bring it to somebody else, right? Like, don't think just because I may overlook where your place is that somebody else isn't seeing it. Okay? We have to work together. We are a body. I can't figure it all out. Pastor Chad can't figure it all out. Jason can't. Keevan can't. Ryan can't. But together, we'll figure this out. We'll work together, right? We have a place. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. That is a scary thought process. Whenever people start thinking, like, I don't need the body, I'll just stay home. An arm on its own will die. A foot on its own will die. Anything not attached to the body and attached to the brain will die. That is the way it works, right? And the fact that I can't look at somebody, I can't look around and just say, like, the bakers have a great sense of hospitality. They are awesome at hospitality. I'm not. I can't look at them and say, well, since I don't have a great gift of hospitality, I'm a nobody. Right? I can't do that because that's not who I am. That's not my part. Right? I have to look at my part. i got to figure out what God has for me. So I wanted to know scientifically what happens to the rest of the body when a part isn't doing its part, right? And I could read this scripture. I, I'll tell you where I, what I looked at. I looked at uh, Psychology Today. It's a magazine used to be now. It's on online. And uh, I'm going to summarize it, but if you want to know where it's at, I'll show it to you sometime. But the summary was, if you were to sprain an ankle, right, just sprain your ankle, you hurt your ankle, immediately you start walking with a limp. That's your first thought because you, your body thinks, I have to walk a different way to, leave, to alleviate the pain from it, right? That's your first thought. Okay, now I'm going to limp. I'm going to try to keep as much pressure off, it, off of it as I can. And what ends up happening is your other foot immediately starts twisting in to help balance you, right? Your hips will begin to uh, twist a little bit different to where it balances you. Even all the way up to the fact that your torso and everything changes the way it leans. Your whole body leans a whole different way, and your body is completely changed by that hurt ankle. Right? The ankle's hurt, and the rest of the body has to compensate for it. Which is good. It's a good way to keep the pain off that leg, but if, it, if that ankle is hurt too long, if that ankle isn't doing its part for too long, the rest of the body starts paying for it. There starts being hip injuries. There starts being knee injuries. Even to the fact that a back start hurting everything just because you've had to compensate for one part. Same thing happens in the body. 
if a part in the body of Christ isn't operating the way it should happen, should be operating, everything has to shift. And we don't always even notice it until we start realizing, like, hey, that one's overworked. Hey, that one's starting to get hurt. This one's got this problem. And we're still not fully compensating for that one part, right? And that's the way it hurts. It hurts whenever a member is not doing what it's supposed to do. When a member is not an active part of the body, everybody else has to compensate, right? Now, I do want to say this uh, because I wanted to know more of... uh, I wanted to think more about the healing part of it uh, because there are times people get hurt. They're not just missing. There's times when people get hurt. Uh, and I, I go back to thinking when Pastor Rod passed away. Sure, we had the void that we had to fill, which God will take care of filling, filling that void, and people had to step into that role. But we also had people hurting. We had a family that was hurting, right? And so... Immediately, we start compensating for for Ryan and the family not being able to do their part at the moment. We didn't say, well, who cares? You guys got to keep going, right? The body of Christ does have to help those who are hurting. We got to help those who are down. We have to step in and do our part to compensate for them while they're doing healing, right? Now, Now, one thing that kept happening was we kept in contact with Ryan. We made sure he knew every thing that we were deciding, everything going on. We didn't count him off as he wasn't a part of the body, but we also didn't make him continue doing a full load in that moment. We compensate for him. And as healing begins to happen, one of two things can happen. Ryan could get back involved, or he can just sit there and not do anything. And scientifically, whenever you are injured... And you're trying to keep yourself from further injury, and you're not, let's say you have a shoulder injury, and you're not using your shoulder, you're walking around in a sling, the rest of your body's doing everything. And uh, even a shoulder injury, I didn't realize how much damage a shoulder injury causes the rest of the body. You start walking completely different, you start, your torso turns a little different, your other shoulders uh, starting to, uh, they call it depress, and there's just so much from that, but... Let's say in that moment, though, if that shoulder doesn't eventually, as it starts to heal, start doing something, scar tissue starts to come in, and there's such damage in that, it'll never be the same. It'll never be used the same because you don't start putting it back into action. And uh, so I want you to understand when I say, like, we know people get hurt, and there is compensation for that, but people have to get back at it. We don't stay hurt. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the, uh, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require And there's a lot to this whenever he gets into these things. Uh, 
one of the things I think about in that is, think about a throat. We don't think much about our throat, but it's one of the most protective places we have. If you were to get in a fight, one of the first things you want to make sure is you don't get punched in the throat because it hurts miserably. It can crush your airway. It can do all kinds of things. But how often in a day do you think about it? But it's just as valuable, if not more valuable, than almost any part of your body. And there's parts of the body that we don't even recognize at times that how important they are until they're injured. Right? You just don't think about it. It, uh, and it's talking about, you know, your uh, unpresentable parts. You keep them covered. You protect them. And I believe he says a lot of this because there's some people who are very intricate parts of the body that people don't pay attention to until they're gone or until they're hurt or anything of that nature. And we're to still honor those people and lift them up. And there are people who are... Uh, I wanted to make, like, this part I thought was very important because there are people who are introverts. I know what you're thinking. Eddie, you're not an introvert. I know. But there are people who are introverts who, whenever put out there, can't, they're not going to be in the limelight. They need their time alone. You know what? They have a place in the body. They have integral part of of the body because a lot of those people are the ones who are doing the behind the scenes things that the rest of us aren't going to do. Right? It, uh, we have a lot of them here. Right? Jason would tell you he's mostly an introvert. He's gotten a little bit more extroverted over time, but you know what? He can do a whole lot of things I can't do behind the scenes because I'm too hyper to do them. I'm not going to sit around and do them. You ask me to budget our books. You ask me to keep up with our finances. You're in trouble. We'll have finances. I can't find my checkbook sometimes. That's true. It. Uh, I've been. I've been in the process of putting the fi- the kids' change in the bank for two weeks. It's not there yet. It's not done yet. It. Uh, I'm a genius. I'm great. Right. I'm not the person you look to at this. I'm horrible at it. But if you want me to go out and talk to somebody, I'll talk to anybody. That's my calling, right? I'm an extrovert. I'm the one you see more of. The introvert is the one behind the scenes doing so much more that we couldn't make it without. And that's what he's talking about. You don't have to be right up front to be a part of the body. Even those places that people that are hidden, those people we don't see, They're just as valuable, right? If not so, he actually says, if not so, more so, right? They need the honor. But God has so composed uh, the body, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the part that really hits me. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. And uh, that's not just like we should come alongside them, show mercy and compassion and suffer with them. That means when one member is down, the rest of us are affected. And we may not even realize it or we, 
I wouldn't even say we don't realize it. I'm going to say we may not always acknowledge it. As we had like, we used, we had a meeting here about a year and a half ago. We were having meetings right here in this room. The room was completely filled with people ready to do the work of God. I mean, it was, I don't know how many, 50, 60, 70 people in here just coming to plan of working for God. And as I leave, and they leave, and they leave, oh, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm just to stay home now, or I'm to do this. We could say, well, you know, God had a different plan, and I'm not saying he didn't, but it still hurts. Because we came up with a plan that involved everybody. The plan God gave us involved all of us to do our part. And as people leave, we can't do all those parts. Things begin to be missing. Things begin to lack. Things begin to, you have people trying to do things that should never be trying to do them, but they have to because it's what they got to do right now, right? We're not able to be as healthy. Yesterday we had 10 to 12 churches come together, probably 30, 40 people. It was awesome to see everybody do their part. Could you imagine if all 40 churches in Henderson came together and did that, how awesome it would have been? Could you imagine if more people were doing that all over the city, maybe 10 churches there, 10 churches on the east end, 10 churches here on the north end? What if that happened? How many communities could be changed? As you start to change communities, poverty starts going down, uh, violence starts going down. The community begins to change. Salvations go up. The church starts getting healthier. Community's healthier. You're not a, you're not as scared to drive in the night in a bad neighborhood because the churches are doing what the churches should do. If the body of Christ, as a whole, was doing what the body of Christ as a whole should be doing, this world would be perfect or pretty close to it pretty close to it because we would be the very hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this world. We would look just like him because he's the head of the body, right? So it's talking about every part being needed, right, and uh, how God put them all together. And so I wanted to look, still in psychology today, I believe is where I was at, I wanted to look at what happens to the body as there's an amputation or something leaves, right? Uh, I'm going to actually read this one. It says, An amputation, even when a prosthetic leg is fitted, will naturally lend to a big shift in the individual's center of gravity and a reduction in the body's base of support. As a result, the supporting leg will often rotate while the pelvic girdle retreats and elevates. Retracts and elevates. That is, at the same time as the shoulders girdle, dipping and undergoing depression, and many major muscle groups, such as the abdominals, become weaker. As you can imagine, the fundamental shifts in the body, biomechanics, can have a quite of impact on an amputee. In fact, uh, Limbs for Life suggests the force going through an amputee's intact leg is up to 23% greater than the force going through the amputee's side when he uses a prosthetic. 
So whenever something gets missing, the whole body has to adjust so much that it's overwhelmed. Causes damage. And we see that in the churches today as more and more and more people leave the church. You're seeing a damage that stuff just can't get done. Right? There's things that should be happening that are not happening because more and more people have left. Right? People aren't doing what they're supposed to. And, and uh, we're pretty blessed. We have a church of a lot of people who do a lot of things. We're blessed in that aspect. But you know, there's still a lot of churches who are dwindling in number as they go. And still only one or two or three people in that church are doing much. And uh, it's not good. It's not a good place to be, and even us, we need to recognize and pray for that healing in our body, right? We've had a lot leave. Some are not in church. I would say well over half the people who have not been in this body right now are in church. Some of them, very, very mature brothers and sisters, and we're to help them, right? We're to, not only are we to shift and take a little bit bigger load, we're also supposed to help bring them back. We're supposed to help help love them and uh, get them in. I'm almost done here, so don't uh, don't get too bored on me yet. Okay, so I uh, decided I also wanted to see the psychology of a person and uh, the effects on the individual when a limb becomes up missing, right? Uh, There are, like, obviously we know you cut your arm off, your leg off, your foot off, whatever it is. There's long-term effects for you missing that part, right? Uh, And there's five things. No, I lied to you. There's four things that Psychology Today says uh, become a normal part of somebody's life whenever they are missing a part. First is there's pain. And it's not just the initial pain, but there's an ongoing suffering, right? I remember uh, something that came to me was I've never lost like a true limb, but I cut the tip of my finger off when I was 11 years old, right? They told me like within a couple months it'll scab over, there'll no longer be a wound there. There's nothing they can really do about it. And they said within two years it'll begin to become callous and you won't even notice it. That's a lie. It's sensitive forever. Right? Whenever I stump, like when I hit my finger on something, it hurts. Whenever it's cold outside, it hurts. There's still a pain there. Right? There's always a pain when something's missing. It'll always be a pain there unless somehow you can reattach it. There's always a pain. Not to say you can't keep moving, but it hurts. Right? There's a suffering to it. Of some sort. If you lose your foot, there's going to be a suffering to some sort. I know people with prosthetic legs and feet and hands and things like that, and they're like, it's just never the same, right? Second is, is usually there's some kind of improper care. Uh, it, it could be very hard to get personal care for doctors to be able to do it, but also. There's no direct science to a missing thing. There's also not a uh, there's not a guarantee that uh, that uh, medicine can take care of something. 
your body's not made to lose limbs. So your care is a lot harder. There's infections that can be possible. Even if they treat it perfectly, you can get infections. Even if they treat it perfectly, it may not heal the same because we cannot determine how something will heal, right? So the health care is a problem. Same thing whenever we miss a part of the body. We may try to fill in and try to take care of that, but we're lacking because that part's not there. We're not going to heal it perfectly. We're not going to fill that perfectly. We're going to try, but there's a part missing. You just can't make up for a part missing, no matter how hard you try. Uh, the third is, and Jason will like this one because he'll say yes. The third is activities are limited. Right? You can't do as much. If I don't have a foot, there's a way that they can like fit me with something to go run a marathon. You know what they can't do? They can't fit me with something to start doing powerlifting the same way or to, to work the way I always did. I had, now there is a whole change in how I do everything, right? If somebody loses a whole leg, it's worse. If somebody loses an arm, it, it, like imagine if you lost your arm at the shoulder and you were a professional uh, archer. Guess what? You're not going to be that good at it anymore. You can adapt. You know, there's people who use legs and feet or mouth and all. You'll never be as good as you once were because you're now limited. Not to say you can't do it and not to say there shouldn't be praise and honor to that person and saying, hey, you did a great job for doing that. But there's just a limitation in that moment. You're now limited because a part is missing, right? And then the fourth... This is the part I hate most, but it says there's a change in expectation and setbacks, right? So now you can no longer expect yourself to do what you were planning to do before. There's setbacks. You can't do as much. There's a change in what you can expect to happen now, right? If the whole body in America of Christ, the whole body of Christ, everybody who calls themselves Christians, which would come out to be something like 220 million people still in America would consider themselves Christians. If they were being the body of Christ, could you imagine the expectations we can have for the body of Christ? Could you imagine how the Acts 4 church could be possible whenever all that kind of resources comes together and living as a, a body of Christ? There would be no need. There would be no hunger. We could take care of all of it because the body of Christ is being the body of Christ. And there would be, I did the math one time, and I don't remember what it was, but you're talking like if people just tithe the loan, you're talking about billions upon billions of dollars a year just in tithes if the body of Christ was being the body of Christ. You could take care of everything. But we're not being the body of Christ. We are, for the most part, and we need to do continue in that. We need to never lose heart in doing our part Showing up, gathering together. Hey, what's my part? What can I do? How can I help? And you know the best way to know what you can do? Stop and pray. Pray about it. If you haven't went to the Lord about where your place is in the church yet, go to the Lord before you ever come to one of us. Because that's the first thing we're going to tell you. Go pray about it. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And sometimes it might be simple and you're like, ah, there's got to be more than that. No, do it. Right. If it's simple, that's okay. Don't say there has to be more. 
Because he trusts you with little and then he gives you more. Right? Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. That is each of us. I mean, God has appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I use I say that very one for this reason. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Whatever you're doing, whatever your place is, always be praying that God can give more. God can use you more. God, I want that higher gift, right? And you look that up, it means to be eager for it, to want more of it. And uh, that's not to say you sit around and say, God, I just want to see your miracle signs and wonders. That says, no, Lord, I want more of you and I want to be able to serve you more. Lord, what else can I do? What can I do? I want more, Lord. I want more. And it's to be eager and hungry for those gifts. Not because you want the gifts for yourself or because you want to see the gifts. It's because you want to bless Jesus. Everything we do should always point to Jesus. We are his body. When I look at Travis, I don't look at his body and say, there's a body. No, I look at his face, his head, and I know it's Travis. And when people look at us, they should see the same thing. They shouldn't be just looking at the body. They should say, that's Jesus. They should see the head. Because that's how we recognize people is by the head. Right? We should never walk around headless. Unless you want to. Tracy, you can come on up. And uh, He ends all that out and he said, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And actually, that should probably go over into chapter 13 because the more excellent way is that you do all things in love. That is the more excellent thing. It's not just the gifts, it's not the works, it's not the hope, it's not the faith. Love is the more excellent way. And at the end of chapter 13 when he says faith, hope, and love uh, are the great things, but the greatest is love, the reason why the love is the greatest is it's the only thing that will last forever. And all things should be done in love. I go back to when Jason's ministering to that lady yesterday, trying to help her out. What that lady saw was not a guy who's just trying to make a name for himself or somebody's trying to look good. She saw love because he truly wanted to help her. And if we're operating out of love, God will bless it. It'll make a difference. It'll impact people. And as they're getting ready, I'm going to share what... The scripture Pastor Chad taught on last week in uh, Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25, and it says, Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That is our part. We need to figure out how we're going to do that. How do we stir each other up? How do we encourage one another? How do we help each other in this, right? We should be meeting together and encouraging one another. Showing everybody love. Oh, yeah, we're about to get down. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
the day is near. And we should not stop encouraging each other and helping each other and reaching out to each other and saying, hey, when you do that, that makes a difference. When you see somebody doing something and it's a blessing, make sure they know. Because otherwise they have no idea. They're just going to be like, I don't know if I made a difference or not. But we're called to encourage one another and make sure people see that that was huge what you just did. And they're like, all I did was this. And be like, yep. Right? It's big. And I'm going to close out this message and I'm going to pray, but I'm going to go to Galatians 6, 9, which is a word that Jason taught not long ago. And it said, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We can't give up. We're a body. We grow weary of being the body, of doing our part. And we start thinking like, I just don't see something happening. I don't see change. More people left. More people are sitting at home. The world's looking worse and worse. So don't grow weary. Don't give up. Because there will be a harvest. If we continue. And I promise you, Jesus said, where two or more gather in my name, I will be there. As Keith started it out, hey, if one person shows up and we're here preaching to one person, that's two people. God can still bless that. Right? We're more than two people. He can bless that. We get together and we do stuff. We're more than two people. He can bless that. Don't grow weary. Don't think on my own. I can't do it. You're right. You can't. I can leave this building today and I can go out and I can try to minister to everybody in this neighborhood. And I have. I've tried to do it. And I'll talk to some. And I'll have some success. And they won't show up and I can grow weary. Or... I can meet my brothers and my sisters and we can start doing community outreaches and we can start being a body of Christ trying to change the community by first changing ourselves. And I'll see some good outcome. I'll start to see some harvest because I'm not doing it on my own. It takes a body. Remember, somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do. When people leave the church, it's more than a flesh. It's not just a person leaving It is a spiritual pain. It is a wound that needs healed. It is a wound that needs addressed. And we need to lessen it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to minister to us. I'm going to ask God's healing over our body. And I'm going to ask God to speak to us. So, Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. Father God, I thank you that before you created this world or before you spoke anything into existence you knew where we would be at today Lord you knew what your body would look like you knew the hardships you knew the struggles you knew everything that we would go through and yet you still chose us to be a part of your body Jesus we thank you that you made a way for us to be with you to be one with you to fellowship with you and be be all in with you Lord but I pray Father God as, as we continue to go forward Lord that you would heal our body God that you would give us strength that you would give us energy Lord that you would you would help us Father God to continue to move the way you would call us to move Lord that you would continue to use us to 
be your hands and feet, Father God. And Father God, as we sit here today, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord, the things that we are to do, the things that we're being a part of. And most importantly, Lord, encourage each person. Remind them that they are part of your body. That they're not gone, they're here. They are intricate, they're important. They have value. We love you, Jesus. Pray that you would just minister to us today. that keeps coming to me so I think I'm supposed to share it uh, I really appreciate that word from Eddie and part of how we know we're hurting is our body has a pain response like something hurts you know something's wrong with it otherwise you wouldn't know so if if there is an issue if there's something that, it, that if there is anyone in the body that is hurt hurt by something going on or something I don't have the exact research numbers, but I've the research I've always seen says over half of people never give you a chance to fix something. They just leave. So if there is a hurt, we would ask that you let, let us know. Let people know that there's a hurt. If the, the body needs to have that pain response, so the body knows how to address something going on. So I just want to share that with you. Keep that in mind. The, the world over well over 50% they don't like something they just leave they don't give it they don't give a chance to try to fix something so but let's be different that let's as a body gives a pain response and says hey there's a problem so let us know if there is a problem or a pain that's important in a body I'll go ahead and close this out in a quick word of prayer Lord thank you so much for your word today Thank you for every person, every every person, Lord, in our church family is an important part of the body. We thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for everyone. Ask your blessing on them, safety as they travel home, they travel to the next service. Uh, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.